text for this morning's service is from 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Let's read that once again. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. After the sermon, we will respond by singing from Psalm 27, the stanzas 1, 2, and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, what are the kinds of things you fear the most? What keeps you awake at night? What are you afraid of? Fear can be an awful thing. Fear can paralyze you. It can be so debilitating that you hardly are able to perform your task. That is what Paul is concerned about concerning his fellow worker, Timothy. Timothy is an office bearer, a minister in the church of God. And Paul wants him to be able to perform his task to the best of his ability. Yet he finds Timothy to be somewhat of a timid person. For throughout his letters he mentions his timidity. And he wants him to fight against it. Why? Because Paul knows that if he gives in to his fears, that then he will be ineffective as an office bearer in the church of God. Fear will paralyze him. It will make him do things or not do things that he ought. Fear will prevent him from coming with the whole counsel of God. Of course, fear as such is not a bad thing. Even the Bible teaches us to fear. However, we have to fear the right things. Above all, we must fear God and everything to do with him. Our fear must therefore be the right kind of fear, the kind of fear that serves him alone. How do you discern the difference between the two? Well, since he wants Timothy to be as effective as possible, Paul gives him, and therefore also us, some very sage advice. He tells him that he must fan into flame the gift of God. Only then will he be an effective instrument in God's hand. What is that gift of God? How can you overcome your fear? Well, that's what we will consider this morning as I preach to you under the following theme, fan into flame God's gift. And then we will see that God teaches you in the first place not to reply on your timid spirit, but in the second place to rely on God's spirit. Why did Paul deem it necessary to speak to Timothy about his spirit of timidity or of fear, as other translations have it, well, this is not the only place that Paul does so. Paul mentioned it several times. For example, he says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10, If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. 
He wants to make sure that the church at that he wants to make sure that the congregation at Corinth that they do not give him anything to fear, for he knows that Timothy has difficulty with that. Why would he warn Timothy in that way? Well, we know from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians and also from his second letter that there were a lot of problems in Corinth. There was a lot of fighting and bickering going on and there were some very strong personality in that congregation. Paul even mentioned some of them by name. Some of these men attacked Paul personally and made him out to be someone of no account. They ridiculed him for his nondescript personality and for his meekness and for the way even that he brought the message of salvation. And Paul did not want Timothy to be subject to that kind of treatment. For he knew what a timid soul he was and that therefore such treatment might crush him. Such attacks would only serve to make him question his own abilities and usefulness. It might even bring it about that he would be so effective, so ineffective, that he would no longer be able to minister to the people at Corinth or other congregations and perhaps even walk away from the ministry itself. Paul did not want that. Furthermore, Timothy had been with Paul for a long time and he accompanied him on many missionary tours. Timothy, as the younger and more timid man, had heavily relied on Paul. Timothy had been Paul's companion more than anyone else. And Paul knew that it would be very difficult for Timothy if he were no longer around. For Paul, at the time of his writing, is a prisoner in Rome, languishing in a cold dungeon. He knows, and he knows that Timothy knows, that he is about to be executed. This is the end of the line for Paul. With Paul out of the way, Timothy would no longer be able to rely on him. Together they had withstood many dangers and had their lives threatened in many ways. For we know that Paul was stoned and even on one occasion was left for dead. Time and again he was imprisoned. Timothy faces the same prospects for himself. Thankfully, we as office bearers do not face those kinds of dangers, at least not in this country. But now Timothy faces life without Paul. He faces the same dangers as as Paul. Is it any wonder that Timothy is now filled with fear for the future? For please do not think that just because you are a believer that then you are no longer subject to fear. We see that throughout the Bible of people of whom we would least expect it. Think of Abraham, for example. He was so afraid of the king of Egypt that he would make his wife part of his harem that he lied about his relationship with Sarah and told the half-truth that she is his sister. And he did that again when the Philistine king Abimelech decided to have her as his wife. Abraham, whom the Bible calls as the father of all believers, feared the loss of his wife so much that he caused others to fall into sin. And he fell into sin himself. 
Think about Moses. He was afraid to go to Pharaoh's court and speak on God's behalf. He feared that Pharaoh would not listen to him, for he did not consider himself to be a good enough speaker. He wanted the Lord to take Aaron, his brother. Moses was afraid of failure. And what about David? When David fled from Saul, he went to Achish, king of Gath. But once it was discovered who David was, David was so afraid that he would be put to death that he acted like a madman. David was literally terrified. Let me give you one more example. The apostle Peter, he too became afraid after they had taken the Lord Jesus away. Three times he denied his Lord and Savior. Three times he pretended not to know him. Why? He feared what would happen to him. He feared for his life. Is that not the way it is with us as well? Would we not be afraid at the prospect of having to face extreme pain or persecution or death? Of course we would. We want to hang on to the life that we have here on this earth. When a doctor tells us that we have cancer, then we are afraid of the future, aren't we? It is a fear not only what is going to happen to us, but also what is going to happen to our loved ones who would have to do without us. There are many other things that we fear, such as the loss of our business or our job or our homes. We are afraid also of the loss of our good name. We are afraid of what other people think of us. And so we hide things about our personal lives. Or we pretend to be somebody that we are not. Or we try to please others, even though we know it's not quite right. Office bearers especially have to be on guard about this. There are many other things that we can fear. You can fill in the blanks yourself. But now look at what Paul says to Timothy. He says that he must fan into flame the gift of God. What does he mean? What gift is he talking about? Well, that is clear from the context. For Paul connects this verse up with what precedes. In the previous verses, he speaks about the faith of his own forefathers and about the faith of Timothy's parents. He mentions his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. He mentions their sincere faith. He says to Timothy that that same faith also lives in Timothy himself. And so it is the gift of faith that he has to fan into flame. It is through his parents that he has been given faith. His mother and his grandmother told him about the wonderful dealings of the Lord God. They told him about the gift of salvation. Well, says Paul to Timothy, hang on to that gift and make it alive. Keep on putting your trust in God. Keep on fanning that flame. Paul also mentions the laying on of his hands. He refers to the time when Paul, as an apostle of God, laid his hands on Timothy as a symbolic act whereby the Holy Spirit of God was transferred to him. Paul refers to the time when Timothy was ordained as an office bearer in the church. The laying on of hands was not some magical rite 
which automatically transformed you into something you were not before. But the laying on of hands indicate the Spirit of God and all the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed with oil. Oil was symbolic of God's Spirit. In the New Testament, the laying on of hands symbolizes the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is sometimes also referred to as a fire. Timothy had been given that Holy Spirit within his heart by the instruction he received from his mother and grandmother and by the instruction that he received later from Paul and others. It is through the word that the Holy Spirit works in your heart. And now Paul wants Timothy to rekindle that flame within him. That spirit of God within him has to be made alive time and again. You may not quench the spirit of God, as Paul says elsewhere to the Thessalonians. And you quench the spirit of God when your heart is full of fear. That's when you no longer see God's power. Then you see only all the dangers all around you. And it makes you want to cower in the corner someplace. It makes you afraid. It makes you afraid to face the enemy. It makes you afraid to live as a Christian. Timothy has to rely on the Spirit of God. We come to the second point. In effect, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, when you were ordained as an office bearer, then you did not receive a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear. Can you imagine? No, God gave you a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so, Timothy, don't be afraid. When you have to face those difficult people in the churches by yourself, and when you have to face the various dangers that you'll meet from the outside world, then you must not give in to your feelings of fear, but you must trust in the Lord. For as a believer, you are never alone. Now, you may object, and you may say, well, that's much easier said than done. For if you have a timid personality, then it is not easy to overcome your feelings of fear. For some people are more timid than others. Just observe little children. When you see them at play, then you will note that the one is bolder than the other. Children are all born with different characters. And we have those characters with us also when we grow up. And our characters and personalities are also shaped as we grow up. Certain experiences make us afraid of certain things. It may make us afraid of people. For example, someone who grew up during the time of depression is often afraid of being in want. Such a person tends to hoard things just in case bad times come again. And someone who has been badly hurt by others is afraid of entering into relationships. They are afraid of other people. And someone who has been in a serious car accident can become afraid of driving. And you can tell such a person not to be afraid, but usually that makes little or no difference. You can tell a child, for example, not to be afraid of the dark and reassure him or her that nobody is going to hurt him or her. 
But that doesn't mean that now the child is going to be able to overcome his or her feelings of fear. The same thing will be true of Timothy. Paul knows that he is naturally timid. But it is exactly for that reason that he tells him to fan into flame the gift of God. Timothy must remember how God deals with his people and how he protects them, how he takes care of them. Whenever he is, whenever he is fearful, he must remember those things. That is how you fan it into flame. Look at what David did when he was fearful. In Psalm 56, he describes the fear that he had while he was seized in Gath. He says in verse 3 and 4 of that psalm, When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? We just sang that together. Do you also own that, brothers and sisters? And you see, that's what Timothy must do. Whenever he is overcome by feelings of fear, he is to call upon the name of the Lord. Just like a child who is afraid of the dark must be able to call on his or her parents to reassure him or her. And that is what the office bearers and that is what all believers have to do. How do you think, for example, that a prophet like Jeremiah was able to carry on Time and again, this prophet, this prophet's life was put into danger. At one time, they even hung him in a dung hole for several days. Can you imagine? What a horrible experience. How do you think he got through it as he hung there alone in that dung hole? How do you think that he kept on going? Well... Jeremiah trusted in the Lord. He remembered the promises of God. He remembered God's power. He remembered how he rescued his people from the land of Egypt and how he drowned Pharaoh and his army. He remembered what a wonderful God he has. The child of God knows how powerful God is. For he believes and is fully assured that God is the one who created the earth and everything in it. That he is the almighty creator. That nothing can happen without him. That all things are in his fatherly hands. And therefore, no matter what your circumstances may be here on earth, a child of God may know that nothing can separate him from the love of God. Paul says to Timothy to keep on fanning that flame within him. For a fire left alone will go out if it is not tended. It needs to be refueled. It needs to be fanned. It needs to be tended. It needs to be brought to life. The same thing has to be done to that flame inside of you. You, Timothy, must concentrate on that fire within you, on God the Holy Spirit. And you do not do that by thinking about yourself. You do not do that by thinking about your own fears. No, when you are full of fear, then you think about God. What He has done and what He will do for you. And you must do that as part of God's community. You know what happens to a hot coal when you take it away from the rest of the coals? 
At first, it is still red hot, but very soon it becomes cold, it becomes dark. Hot coals need each other to radiate heat. And therefore, God also gives us the communion of saints. You cannot isolate yourself. You cannot stay away from God's people. You cannot not gather together with them, having fellowship with them. For if you do that, you will grow cold. Office bearers have to do the same thing. You're not in this alone. You share your fellow office bearers. And you share the rest of the church who will help you and who will encourage you. And you may not be afraid to ask for help. We need one another. And above all, we need God. All of us must do the same thing. Indeed, there are many things that we, too, are afraid of in life. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of pain. We're afraid of persecution. We're afraid of losing a loved one. We're afraid of losing our business. We're afraid of being ridiculed by others. And then we need each other to come with God's word, to come with God's promises. As I said, some have greater fears, are more fearful than others. We all have our personalities. We all have our experiences. And so we're all different. What is scary for some is not as scary for others. But we all have our fears. We all have our times when we are afraid, sometimes deathly afraid. And then what do you do? Where do you find comfort? How do you comfort others? Well, you remember what God has done. You remember the victory of Christ on the cross. When you are afraid of losing something that is earthly, no matter how important that is, then you have to remember that you and I, we don't ultimately belong to this world. You belong to your Father in heaven. And that is where your home is. That is where you will find peace. Peace and well-being are found only with Him. And if you keep on remembering that, and if you keep on rekindling that flame within you, and remember the promises of God and who you are, namely a covenant child, someone belonging to God, then time and again you will receive courage. Then you can go on again. Ultimately, the only thing that matters to you is that you belong to God. And that whatever He thinks of you is what is important. And that is what Paul wants Timothy to do. Be brave, Timothy. For if unbelievers see how full of fear Timothy is, then he would certainly not attract them to the Christian faith, would he? Then it would be no difference between him and them. For the people of the world are always full of fear. They are full of fear of losing their earthly security. They are fearful of losing their reputation. And it's no wonder. That's all they've got. If an unbeliever sees that we as Christians are just as afraid as they are of the future, then we do not attract them to the Christian faith. No, they must see from our words and actions that we are different. That when it comes down to the crunch, we are not afraid of anything that this world can bring. For God has given us a spirit of power. Paul, however, also mentions that he gives us the spirit of love. Why would he include that? 
we can understand that he speaks here in this text about the spirit of power. For that is what you need when you're full of fear. You need to call upon God's power. But love, how does that help you in dealing with your fear? Well, what ultimately is the cause of fear? The cause of fear, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is self-love, self-concern, self-protection. When you are full of fear that you are constantly thinking about yourself, and then you think about your own welfare, how you come across to others, and you think about your own situation in life. What if I'm not able to do this? Then people will see how incompetent I am. What a failure I am. What a fraud I am. What if I lose my business? Then people will down on me. What if I speak to others about Christ and they ridicule me? Then I'll be embarrassed and I'll lose face. And the offer bear may ask, what if they don't like me? What if they get mad at me? And so we can go on and on. You can fill in your own blanks. Think about the kinds of things you fear. And therefore, what is the cure for such self-love? The cure, brothers and sisters, is to love God. The cure is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you are busy with the things of God, then your fears will dissipate. And if you are busy thinking about other people's welfare, then you will not be so concerned about your own. In 2 Timothy 3, we read about the kinds of people who are full of self-love. Paul says that such people are lovers of money. They're boastful, they're proud, they're abusive, disobedient to their parents. They're without self-control, they're brutal, they're rash. They're lovers of pressure, of pleasure. What a list! And then he adds that they are the kind who worm their ways into the homes to gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with all kinds of evil desires. But then Paul reminds Timothy that he has to be an example in these things. In God's strength, he did the exact opposite of those people full of self-love. He showed his way in his way of life how he loved God and how he loved God's people. By using himself as an example, he gives the characteristics of those who love God and others. He speaks about his faith, about his patience, and about his endurance. He speaks how he endured persecutions. Paul was not afraid. That's not because by nature he's such a brave person. No, Paul found strength in the Lord. And he shows that throughout his letters. Paul tells Timothy one more thing. He tells him that he also was given a spirit of self-discipline. This is the only place in the Bible where this particular Greek word is used. And therefore it's somewhat difficult to give an exact translation of this word. The King James Version speaks about a sound mind instead of self-discipline. And that comes closest to it. Paul indeed wants to remind Timothy of the fact that God has given him a sane, a balanced mind. And that is a great gift. When you know how to overcome your fears in the Lord, then you are not tossed to and fro 
by the various events in your life or by the different opinions of different people, then you're not easily thrown off the track, then fear does not control you. Then you are not over-anxious about losing your earthly security, whatever that may be. No, then you are at peace. And so then you are also able to exercise self-control. For where is the security in your life? Your security is with the Lord your God. He is the one who guides your life. He is the one who has your life, my life, in his hands. And when you're fully convinced of that, then you are no longer afraid. And then you feel secure. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. Use that gift especially you office bearers who are about to be ordained. Time and again, fan into flame that gift, that gift of faith of God. Remember that God is your light, your refuge, your salvation. He is your everything, so that you never need to be afraid. Amen.